In Ordea's business podcast, Get Savvy, we meet experts with an e-com, tech, and social impact. We want to offer a platform for storytelling, learning, and sharing expertise among Nordic business leaders and entrepreneurs. This is the end of season one, and what a season it's been. When we started, we had no idea that this would be such an unusual time. During the spring, we still managed to meet with a number of really great entrepreneurs who've been extremely helpful and so generous with sharing advice. It's become very evident that this community among entrepreneurs and business leaders can be very encouraging and strong. And actually, this was something that we really hoped for. From our research, we know that many really ambitious entrepreneurs still feel that they want more connections with others in similar situations. They want to share stories, learn from others, and hopefully have some fun. So that is something that we set out to do with this podcast, to create a kind of a bonfire for business leaders and entrepreneurs to gather around and share savviness as well as networking. And now that we close the books after this first season of our podcast, we want to summarize some of the really great talks that we've had and some of the savviness that we've accumulated from our guests. For those of you who've been following Get Savvy, you know that all of our guests are experienced in different fields and industries, and they share insights on the topics they know best. So gather around the bonfire, because here is Get Savvy. It all starts with an idea, or at least that's said by many. In our very nervous and first episode, we wanted to understand if there was a way to immediately know if an idea was good or not. We soon learned that there are many ways to look at this. And sometimes the answer is that it's not so much the idea, but the amount of work you put in. But how do you come up with the best business ideas or innovations to improve your business? And how do you assess if they're feasible or not? Well, we met with the investor Saeed Esmail Saleh, the co-founder of Serendipity Group. He's the founder of Spartacus Capital and adjunct professor in organic chemistry at Stockholm University. Despite the fact that this was our very first episode and we were definitely pretty rough around the edges, Saeed was super generous in sharing his advice on how he evaluates if an idea is going to fly or if it's just going to be a dead end. Yeah, I would say it all starts usually within some kind of an itch. One of my strategies is that I try to find problems uh, and usually hidden problems. Because if it's problems that lots of people are exposed to, most probably lots of people are also trying to solve it. Mm. And if it's not been solved, it's usually because there is a good reason for that. If many people are exposed to it and it's still not solved, then... It's maybe some technology that is not developed yet and lacking or there is, you know, this the, the market is not uh, uh, mature for it yet. or uh, So um, so I think uh, finding hidden problems, uh, then you usually can find really interesting things that you can, with, with, with small efforts, uh, come up with great solutions to. Wow, that was such a great experience kicking off this whole season with Saeed. He's such a smart guy and he's so generous with his advice. A very related topic that we addressed was about geography. Are great business ideas universal? 
We had a few questions from you listeners asking what you need to consider when you expand a business to a new market, especially as e-commerce is so on the rise. Therefore, we met with Magnus Olmstedt, the e-commerce expert who developed H&M's online presence in China, Japan and Korea. Magnus is probably one of the most experienced Scandinavians when it comes to China, which was really evident in this episode. He also turned out to be such a great storyteller and had so much fun listening to the stories he shared from living in different Asian countries. Later in the season, we also got to talk to the CEO and the founder of 3SA estate Marbella, Jimmy Vidian. He decided to start a business in Spain. And if you want to get inspired by somebody who just saw a business opportunity in another country and went for it, you should listen to the full episode with Jimmy. Both Jimmy and Magnus really helped us to understand more what you need to know and we also got to have some fun. It's online, right? Mm. And everyone in China has a smartphone. And on top of that, everyone has installed some pre-installed apps. So they've installed some apps uh, like Taobao uh, or Tmall or Alipay, which belong to Alibaba's ecosystem. Or they've installed WeChat, which is the Tencent, a different ecosystem. Mm. But the fact that everyone has these apps installed uh, makes it quite easy to to uh, for, for for consumers to buy online. But I don't think you should localize the design to look Chinese. You know, uh, to try to have like uh, they like you know animated things. They might like cartoons. Just look at Tmall. It's Tmall in in Chinese, which is Sky Cat. Mm. So China has this uh, obsession with animal names, mm. right? And uh, Alipay <laughs> is is an ant logo. It's an ant. It's, um, okay. And just a little bit. So I wouldn't go that. That's the balance, you know, be true to the brand. Don't go too local in how it looks mm. because that's the only way you can stand out. But you need to follow kind of the, the UX that a consumer is used to. And exactly. if you're building your own website, look at the process on Tmall. There are some extra steps before mm. you, you know, click pay. You confirm your order because they might want to add or move things. They might just want to save things in their wish list, save things in their basket. And this was one of the fun things with launching HM.com in China. It was a very like Western approach. This is the checkout. Uh, put in basket, pay, get the ending page, and you're finished. Mm. Like, but you know, in China, they have a favorite list, and they leave it there forever. Mm. Or they just add to cart, and they check it out later. You, know, you might uh, have to actually lock that stock for a while. So they follow the, the, the user experience uh, on uh, on one of the big platforms you open up your your uh, mindset in a different way uh, when, when you do other routines than you did before but the first thing you really need to think about is to get a really good lawyer uh, that that's critical uh, I met 42 different lawyers uh, wow before I choose, uh, choose uh, two. And why, why is a lawyer important? I mean, that's the first thing you mentioned. So uh, getting, getting a yeah. lawyer, that, uh, why is in, that? In the real estate business, it's, it's important because it's the lawyer that actually uh, do the deal. Another recurring topic among our listeners, and I guess something that most entrepreneurs always consider, it's about growth. And when we started looking into growth, we came across Alexander Goga, the founder of Service Finder and Clixis, and Caroline Lidman, the founder of the PR agency Number 10. 
they'd both written a book about growing a startup company to become really big. So we thought it could be an idea and an excellent opportunity to let them join us and share their own experiences. We quickly got into a very inspiring discussion about what they believe are the two most important levers to make a company grow. One, it's the team. And two, to keep momentum. One thing me and Alexander has talked about very much is uh, the team. To grow a company, it's like A and O, and how you can say like how you put together the team, both to uh, have a team that are like running to the same goal, uh, but also what kind of people you have in a team. Uh, for me, that I had a background from from the PR in- industry before I started my own company, uh, it was pretty hard to put together a team in a what do you say PR startup when you come from a traditional uh, world from big PR agencies in Stockholm uh, where you had um, another kind of team Uh, so I think it's very important to look like what what should I put together in a team just for for my company and not look at other uh, companies doing the same and so on keep on pushing Mm. Just just keep on pushing and uh, then I mean like really, really hard uh, because I think the, fir- the first, like the hardest part is to, g- to get your speed up uh, and when you get your speed up, you have to keep on pushing to keep momentum because as soon as you stop, you have to kind of start over again. The next chapter in this season finale is about capital. This is definitely one of the most debated topics among entrepreneurs, and there are many stories out there about how to get funding for your company. It's definitely a cornerstone when it comes to growing a business. But where do you get it, and how do you prepare for an investment round? Well, we managed to get a hold of Tommy Palm, the CEO of Resolution Games, and we decided to ask him how you attract venture capitalists. This was such a cool talk. Tommy really had the hands-on experience that we were hoping for, and he was very helpful in sharing his best tips. In one of the final episodes of the season, we discussed crowdfunding with Yannick Lavatz, the CEO of Luggage Hero, as another way to fund growth. Yannick was super detailed when he explained how you set up a crowdfunding campaign, and especially why this was the most optimal capital source for Luggage Hero. We also wanted to bring in the investor's point of view and we asked the impact investors at Norgen VC, Agathe Freeman and Tove Larsson to explain their investment strategy and what they look for when they invest. Impact investing is also a topic that is close at heart and a growing field. We're super proud to be able to also share Agathe's and Tove's viewpoint with you. My, my advice to... to um startups in in, uh, in a phase where they are ready to seek external capital and not just from uh, family in France is to uh, to have a rather short period to be b- well prepared and and kind of have a, a small opening uh, where you actually say that okay this is uh, the amount of money we're looking for uh, we're looking for three um investors it's always good to not just be dependent by one mm. um so so if you can have multiple uh, in the same round i think that's uh something that could actually be very uh, beneficial mm. it can also help out with contacts uh for for following around i also think it's good to not think about the the round you're raising as the last round 
uh, which feels to me that's rather common that people haven't raised capital before and they think that if I only get you know a huge amount of money into uh, the bank then I'm safe and I'm good to go mm. uh, but I, I really think that um, there is a, a good point with this uh, seed A, B round yeah. kind of system where you you set up to have a run rate for 18 months or, or two years and then be in a presentable stage again. Mm. It's never good. It's never bad to have uh, to be in a state where you can convince people that your business is going to boom. Mm. Uh, so I think uh, it's actually a pretty healthy ecosystem if you approach it in the correct way. Crowdfunding is is really, really powerful when you think about it because one thing is you get a lot of publicity out of it. But the other thing is that you are inviting people in who have been following your, your journey, uh, that customers, uh, even the local shops we have on the platform, partners, uh, even uh, family and friends actually. But you're inviting them yeah. in on a journey to become owners at a really early stage. Uh, usually you can do this before you IPO, uh, where, where you go public. But, but, mm. but in, in, in this state, you can actually invite them in to get a stake of the success. We really think that the true scarce resource are fantastic uh, entrepreneurs. Mm. So we're very much attracted or drawn towards the best entrepreneurs out there. And then we really want to make sure that they are addressing one of the impact categories, but we are vertical agnostic because the true scarce resource are these really capable entrepreneurs Mm. out there. Mm. So we think that if we limited our scope too much or if we narrowed in too nichely, um, it will limit the investable universe. Yeah. The further we got into the season and the more people we interviewed, we discovered how important networking really is. Making your business grow is not something you can do alone. And the same goes for podcasts, by the way. Uh, you'll often depend on stakeholders, partners and customers. But how do you work with your stakeholders and network to float your boat? We also discovered that building a network can be daunting for many entrepreneurs and business leaders. After all, not everyone has the guts or the time to go to coffee meetings all the time, or attend industry conferences when you already have a pretty full work schedule. So how do you do it? Well, we networked our way to Michelle Issa, the serial entrepreneur and the former monk who's one of Sweden's most social entrepreneurs. Michelle is known for his networking skills, and we thought it would be really interesting to hear him explain how he does it. Uh, it's not about just uh, sending emails, mass email to a lot of people. It, it, everything is about cold. So for me, I would re- I would say without any doubt, uh, that's the key to success as an entrepreneur about networking. Because if you speak about being myself, I didn't have any special education. Money was nothing special at all. Everything started with networking. Because And also when you network, you should not network just to get business or to get that deal. You should network like, I, I really want to get to know you. 
become like a friends and they they're real successful people when they see your heart when they see how clever or how hard working you are with good heart they really help you because they're real successful people it doesn't care how much money they makes but successful in their world uh, they really want to see other people also succeed so they help with advice they send the customers they they even nominate you to different awards that happens to me so i am uh, like uh, evidence on that thanks again michel for the inspiration and your networking tips another topic that's very related to networking is sales many say that sales in a company is the motor in the car it's pulling the organization forward we also know that getting a steep sales curve requires a strong sales culture and someone that knows a lot about this topic is erik gottenholm the ceo and founder of sellink it's hard not to smile when you hear Eric explain why he loves sales so much. He's such a salesman. It is true for us all. We love sales. I mean, <laughs> we love sales. And from the fact that we love the process, right? I mean, we love the fact that customers are buying our products that we have built with our own hands, right? Mm. So we're putting mm. together these products in Sweden. We're making everything locally. Uh, we're sourcing components locally. And then we're putting these things together screw by screw. And then customers, they come and buy them. Mm. And we deliver to them, and then we, you know, we give them the opportunity to 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 work with these products and technologies. And and everybody in the company are so passionate about this, just the entire process from from a screw to a finished product. But but we we really enjoy the sales process because it's about it's about bringing on a new member to our family. And for us, it's a matter of building a community. And and all our customers in this community, they're you know they're they're essentially family members of this. The current situation with COVID-19 was also a major part of our first season in Get Savvy. To learn more about how great leaders act in this crisis, we met with Camila Björkman, the CEO of the startup and tech magazine Breakit. We were curious to understand what type of leadership is required in uncertain times. Camila had some great insights to share. I was so nervous before doing this interview as I was convinced that interviewing a professional journalist would be super scary. Well, it wasn't, of course. And if you listen to the full episode with Camilla, I'm sure you're going to enjoy her own entrepreneurial story when she bought her own magazine for the first time. Actually, if you want to create impact, you need to um, have people around you. And being good at or trying to work with leadership is the best way to create impact because you can't do, you can only do so much yourself. The learning for me is that planning is good but you need to be aware that you probably have to change everything mm. um, another big learning is that uh, I really have a lot of answers within myself um, like I tend to listen quite a lot to what other uh, more experienced people say to me um, that I should do uh, like I, I get a lot of advice uh, because break it is a well-known company in, in especially the media industry and people say you should do this and this and uh, you should think like this as a leader and I listen I've, I've been historically I've been listening a lot to those advices but writing about my hundred days um, and kind of seeing my thoughts and conclusions on paper um, made me think quite a lot of times that, Camilla, actually, you know what you're doing, mm. uh, which was a really nice feeling. So for me, I, I mean, I, I still love asking people for advice, but I realized that I can also trust myself and uh, that 
gave me quite a lot of confidence, I think, as a leader. With Camilla, we did speak a lot about the impact of the coronavirus. And that is something that was also brought up in our episode with the two tailoring entrepreneurs, Joachim Marcel and James Sleder, who run Götrich and Karen the Dandy. What was exceptionally interesting with their story is the way they've managed to do a digital transformation of a really traditional business. They did this and they also managed to maintain its heritage by replacing many of the processes that don't add direct value to the customer and keeping the ones that do. It was super interesting to hear them describe how building a strong community around a brand has always been central in the tailoring business, which we know now is also key in the digital business. We also met with Johan Svanberg, who's the CEO of Record Union, the digital disruptor among record labels. We were curious to know what to expect as a disruptor, because they have some really hands-on experience from doing so. It's evident that you need to believe in what you set out to do and some thick skin to stand up for your ideas. The key in, in digitizing a craft-based business is that you, as James is saying, you don't cut any corners on the craft side, but what you use technology for is to make sure that you maximize the amount of time that you spend on the actual craft instead of mm. using all the time for admin, customer interactions, planning, purchasing, all of those things. So in a sense, yeah. you can say that... Um, it's a way of also ensuring that you can still keep going with the old traditions of the craft and make sure that you hand make the, the, the garments in the same way that you've always done and that you spend as much time on the pattern making and the customer interaction when you have a customer in the shop, but you don't spend hours just communicating and sending out letters and emails and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just really curious now. You said you were, that you might have been laughed at, you know, in the beginning. Uh, Fabian, the the founder, uh, said that not until then was he um, convinced that they were onto something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but when that happened, it was um, uh, basically they they got the validation that no one's thinking like this. Basically, mm. um, so. Um, uh, and that uh, if they just believe that they can pull it off, uh, there should be something there. Yeah. As more and more businesses are heading towards a digitalization, e-commerce has never been more important. Certain marketing strategies are important to consider in this transition. To discuss the differences between traditional marketing and marketing in an e-commerce, we invited the digital marketing expert Sara Öhrmann. It was really interesting to add Sara's perspective on the same digitalization topic as she explained how we can't keep thinking traditional sales channels. She emphasized how you need to redesign marketing plans for the way customers navigate and interact on the internet. You need to tap into the individual customer journeys and it's no longer sufficient to work as if your customers only interact with your brand in one channel. And it's evident that what used to be strong communities in local tailoring shops are now online communities that you really need to understand. Earlier, what we did was looking at one channel, like what what should I do in this channel? Well, if we're going mm. to be digital or data-driven marketers, we should think about like, like one consumer <laughs> passes on many channels before doing a purchase or becoming like a loyal customers. Of course, it's a good to have a like a good communicational flow between your like maybe if you have some content on your site and the shopping part of your site and your social media and your newsletter of course that should be aligned but you should also think about yeah. okay 
my customer how many touch points do i have what does he or she see going through like deciding to become my customer so i think that shift is something that we need to do start like like list your typical uh, customer uh, we talk about consumer mm. journeys a lot of course but i think that's not that's not yeah. not harder than to think about okay here i maybe have four to five segments of customers that are typical customers list seven touch points or how many you can afford and then see like okay what does he Hmm. go through from the times he starts like thinking about even buying some kind of product so not based on when he's doing the research he or she are doing the is doing the research but then like even before that because we want to get a lot of data to know who is could be our customer of course and then think about what are the touch points and how do I, mm. for the, that individual customer, build my like marketing uh, plan. To be relevant online, your web page plays a central role. To optimize your page and end up on top of Google searches is therefore an important lever to attract your target group. Optimization is thereby really important to drive growth for companies that have a digital business model. We're sure that most of you already know that SEO or search engine optimization has the potential to boost your e-commerce sales. But how do you get Google to present your website as the first search result? We discussed this with the SEO expert, serial entrepreneur, and the man behind the SEO agencies, VCO and Mr. Authority, Marcus Sandström. And if you listen to the full episode, I think you'll smile when I asked him about his selfie stick venture. What a great guy he is, Marcus Sandström. So in Google Search Console, you, you're going to be able to see what search phrases did people search for where you have ranked mm. somewhere. It doesn't have to be on the first page. You could be on the, on, the, on the fifth or sixth page. Google measures all of it. And, and they're going to show you this is how many impressions this page has had. So let's say it's 10,000 mm. impressions and you obviously didn't have 10,000 visitors. So it's like, what, what, where, like what's going on? And, th- and then you're going to be able to see for these keywords you have, uh, you know, five or ten or whatever clicks but for all of the others you had zero so it means that Mm. google thinks you are relevant but not enough to be able to be on the first page the later part of this season really came to focus on digitalization and as we've listened to sara yuki and james as well as marcus we've understood that a lot of this has to do with building communities and tapping into online spots where your customers hang out And as we worked our way through these different components of the digital growth, we came across influencer marketing. We got really interested in the way influencers can help you to really connect with your target group. And this was something that was also brought up in an earlier episode where Magnus Olmstedt talked about the Chinese KOLs, or the key opinion leaders. We got the chance to talk to one of Sweden's leading KOLs, or influencers, Johanna Svicka. Joanna helped us to understand how you set up an influencer campaign and how she works to create content that engages the online communities where she's active. Joanna is such a great person and she really helped us to understand what to consider when you want to use influencer marketing to fuel growth. Because you get you apply the target group straight away mm-hmm. and mostly people are um, moving around on on the digital like on the internet Mm. so where should you be yeah on the internet Mm -hmm. know your audience know your customer and uh, know what influencer to use thank you again joanna for sharing 
Looking ahead, we hope that this podcast has inspired you, and hopefully you've picked up a few things over the season from the guests that so generously have shared their savviness with us. We've touched on the high-level areas on a company's growth journey, but it's very clear that there are much more things to talk about and much more ground to cover. We have already started looking at Season 2 of Nordea's Get Savvy, and we're preparing for a restart in the end of August. Our plan is to get back to our weekly schedule of podcast episodes with new inspiring guests. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our guests from Season 1. You've been amazing. You never complain about us being podcast rookies or the recording via link to keep our social distance. In fact, it's been your encouragement and your positive feedback that has convinced us that this concept works and that there is a need for a place for sharing entrepreneur stories and business savviness. Thank you. Thank you also to our listeners, our subscribers. You're a growing bunch, and each time we get an email to getsavvy@nordia.com, we open it like a Christmas present. Keep them coming, and if you know someone that you want to invite, or a topic that we should investigate, please get in touch. It's getsavvy@nordia.com. G-E-T-S-A-V-V-Y at nordia.com. Now, have a great summer, everyone, and let's meet with new entrepreneurs around the bonfire again in August. Thank you.